Well, if you want to take your Bible, we're going to turn for our first reading to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 to 10. Paul is, uh, is writing here about our heavenly dwelling. If we know Christ, if we're Christians, then uh, this is not really home. Heaven is our home. The presence of the Lord is home. And that really is Paul's theme here. So let's read these wonderful words together. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. This is the word of the Lord. Paul says, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed... We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, it is God who has made us for this very purpose. And has given us the spirit as a deposit. Guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore... We are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body whether good or bad amen and we thank the Lord for his word praying that uh, he would bless it to us Well, if you want to take your Bible again, we're going to read together Psalm 84. Psalm 84. We're going to to think a little bit this evening about this psalm. So let's just read it together. Psalm 84. Psalm 84, this is the word of the Lord. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. 
O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, for they are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. You have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Amen. And again, we give thanks to God for his word. Let's bow together for a word of prayer just as we ask the Lord's blessing on all that we do this evening. Dear Lord, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight for the glory, the praise and the honour of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. The, uh, the very first time I ever stayed away from home was when I was about nine years of age. I was in the Cub Scouts and uh, we were on a weekend. It was a weekend camp at uh, Downhill Forest. They're just outside Castle Rock. Now, shortly after we arrived on the Friday night, we, uh, we began putting up the big old pale green tents. And then once we had the tents up, we were sent out to, to scar the forest for firewood and bring that back to the camp. And uh, then once we'd done one or two wee jobs, getting the camp all set up and ready, we spent the rest of the evening playing outdoor games. And of course, the games all required us to charge about the forest in the dark, making lots of noise and uh, having great fun. But you know, underneath all of the, the fun and the games, there was a, a gnawing sense of disquiet in my heart. Even though we were having fun, I was already missing my mum and my dad. Even though I was enjoying myself, I was already missing the familiar surroundings of home. Even though I was with my friends and we were having a great time, I was already wondering how I was going to survive until Sunday. I was suffering from homesickness. Now, I saw the other side of homesickness when I was a teacher. Every year we organised a school trip. And normally, we took the children to England or to Scotland. And for many of those children, that was the first time 
that they stayed away from home. Most of them, thankfully, most trips were perfectly happy. But now and again, there was one child who really struggled with homesickness. Their longing for home was so intense, it almost spoiled the trip for them. Their longing for home was so intense, it almost spoiled the trip for their friends. And their longing for home was so intense, it almost spoiled the trip for the teachers as well. But if you have your Bible open there, turn again with me just to that psalm we read a few moments ago, Psalm 84. Because here in this psalm, we have a description of what we might, might call a kind of homesickness. But it's a kind of homesickness that is good. A good and a positive kind of homesickness. In fact, it's a homesickness that every Christian, every believer in Jesus, ought to experience. It's what we might call a wonderful homesickness. And this is what we're going to think about tonight. A wonderful homesickness. And I want to ask and uh, hopefully answer a couple of questions. Here's the first one. Are you sick for home? Are you sick for home? The psalm begins and it ends with the writer describing his experience of this homesickness. The first four verses and the last three verses kind of bookend this poem or this song with words that help us to understand his experience, his longing for home. Look how he begins there in verse 1. He says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. Now, whenever the psalmist talks about the Lord's dwelling place, he is primarily referring to the temple. He's referring to the temple and its kind of precincts. You see, for the psalmist, the temple, well, that's kind of the place where the Lord lives. The temple, well, that's the place where the Lord is especially present. That's where the people of the Lord go to meet with the Lord. And so he longs for the temple. Not so much for the bricks and mortar, of a building or a place, but for the person, the person who is there. Have a look at how he goes on there in verse two. He says, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Can you feel the intensity of what the psalmist is writing there? Every fiber of his being craves the presence of the Lord. His longing for the Lord is so powerful that he is on the point of being completely overwhelmed by it. And then if you look at verses three and four, those curious little verses, he gives voice to his desire to be close to the Lord by revealing his envy for sparrows and swallows. Have you ever been envious of birds? When I was little, I was. I used to think, wouldn't it be great to be a bird? You know, be able to fly. 
Well, the psalmist is envious of birds, not because they can fly, but because the little birds nest in the multitude of little nooks and crannies in the walls of the temple. And he's jealous of them because they can live out their days so near to the altar of the Lord. If you glance down at verse 10, you'll see that the psalmist uses another image to express his desire to be near the Lord. These are well-known words. He says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. What he's really saying here is that little with the Lord is better than much without the Lord. He's saying he would rather live on the doorstep of the Lord's house than in the luxury provided by the pavilions of the wealthy. You see, if he can only have the Lord, if he can only have the presence of the Lord, that will be all he will need. He will be content. And so the psalm ends with an affirmation of blessing on all those who trust in the Lord. Psalm 84, what's it about? It's really all about this wonderful homesickness. Here, the psalmist is describing his hankering for his true home. And that true home is the presence of of the Lord. You know, in a sense, the whole story of the Bible can be understood as really an account of humanity's search for its true home. You think about the beginning. Adam and Eve, they enjoyed the presence of the Lord. The Lord came and he walked with them in the cool of the day. But after they had sinned against the Lord, what happened? Well, they were driven from his presence and essentially they became homeless. And really from that point onwards, the Bible story becomes a search for an answer to the question, how can sinful men and women be at home with a holy God once again? The Lord, he graciously provides a tabernacle. Do you remember the tent in the wilderness? And then he graciously provides a temple. What's the purpose of these buildings? Well, their purpose is so that the people of the Lord can meet with their God. But at the heart of each of those buildings is sacrifice. Sacrifice for sin. And you see, the Lord, through all of that, communicates the message to his people you can only be at home with me when the problem of your sin is taken care of. But those structures would only ever be temporary. Because in time, God himself would come. God himself would come in his own son, Jesus Christ. And Christ well, he would be the true tabernacle, the true temple, the true priest who would offer the true sacrifice for sin. The sacrifice of himself. And you know, dear people, this evening, that event, that momentous event, the coming 
of Jesus, his giving of himself on the cross. That event is the event to which you and I must respond. God the Father says to us that if we will only respond by repenting of our sin and trusting in all that Christ has done for us, he, he will make his home in us. Can you get your head around that? He will make his home in us. And once he has made his home in us, he gives us the incredible assurance that one day, one day, we will be at home with him. How does the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, describe the state of believers in that new heaven and new earth? Revelation chapter 21, John is describing this vision of the final state of Christian people in this new heaven and new earth. What does he say in verse 3? And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. Dear people, let me ask you this. Are you homesick? Are you homesick? Do you long to be with the Lord in glory? Never mind the future. Never mind the future. What about the here and now? What about the present? Is there any hankering in your heart to be closer to the Lord in the here and now. You know, this is a really good way in which we can assess where we are with the Lord. This is a really good way in which we can assess the state of our own souls. Our claim to be Christians. If I say I'm a Christian, there must, there must be something of this homesickness in my heart. You see, if I feel no compulsion whatsoever to be in the Lord's company now, what makes me think that I will want to be in his company then? If I feel no desire to be close to the Lord now, if I feel no desire to spend time with the Lord now, if there's no delight in my soul in worshipping the Lord now, what makes me think that any of that will be in my heart then? What is the new heaven and the new earth all about? What will it all be about? Well, we read it a few moments ago, didn't we? The Lord dwelling with his people. The Lord living with his people. His people at home with him. And he at home with them. One of the things I think that is most striking about this psalm is the intensity of feeling expressed by the psalmist. There's nothing half-hearted 
There is nothing superficial. There is nothing put on. There's nothing about his craving for the Lord that is restrained. With every fiber of his being, he yearns to be at home with the Lord. I wonder this evening, does that describe your spiritual experience? Does that describe my spiritual experience? Oh, that the Lord would come upon us. That the Lord would come upon us and by his spirit fill us. Fill us with this wonderful homesickness. That he would come and make us want him more and more and more. Are you sick for home? Here's the second question. Are you set for home? Are you set for home? We shouldn't think for a moment that the psalmist's experience of wonderful homesickness is a kind of a mystical thing. Something that is totally detached from the realities of everyday life. Not a bit of it. If I am truly sick for home, then I will also be set for home. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means this. I will live my life pointed in the right direction. Harryville Manse is on the Grange Road in Ballymena. And if I want to leave the Manse and walk to Grace Hill, I'll go down to the bottom of the Grange Road and I'll have to make a decision. Do I turn left or do I turn right? If I want to walk to Grace Hill, there's no point turning right. Because if I turn right, that will take me into the centre of Ballymena. I need to turn left. I need to follow the Gilgorm Road out of the town. And when I get to the Gilgorm Roundabout, there's no good going to the right, heading for Cullibacky. I need to go straight on as if I'm heading for a hockle. You see, the destination determines, really, the journey. The decisions that we take along the way are shaped by the destination. My destination influences every decision that I take along the way. It's very interesting that at the center of Psalm 84, there's a section that concerns suffering. You see, it's almost as if the psalmist is saying to us, look, whenever we long for the Lord... Whenever the Lord is our destination, here's the difference. Here's the difference that that makes to a very common experience that we will all face in life. The experience of suffering. Look at verse 5. It says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. What is pilgrimage? Pilgrimage, well, it's a sacred journey. Life is a pilgrimage. Life has its final destination. 
But then look at how he goes on. In verses 6 and 7 he says, As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. What is the valley of Baca? Well, there are two ways in which that name has been understood. It can mean the valley of tears. That's very often how it is understood. And that I, I'm sure you've heard it understood in that way. It can also mean the valley of thirst. Either way, it's really a metaphor for pain and suffering. Your pilgrimage through this life will take you through many a valley of Baca. And I think most of us learn, most of us find, that the longer we live, the more valleys we pass through. You will experience many things that break your heart and make you cry. You will experience many things that challenge your faith, and make your soul feel dry and arid. But what does the psalmist say about those who are homesick for the Lord? Those who have this destination before them. Those who long for the presence of the Lord. What does the psalmist say about them? Well, here's what he says. He says that as they pass through this valley experience, they make it a place of springs. Do you see that? Isn't that beautiful? For those who long for the presence of the Lord, even the valley of Baca is a place of springs. For those who long for the presence of the Lord, even the valley of Baca is a place of pools. Pools of refreshment. For those who long for the presence of the Lord, even the valley of Baca is a place where you can grow and mature and go from strength to strength. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? Dear people, are you in the valley of Baca this evening? Are you in the valley of Baca this evening? Are you going through things that are breaking your heart? Quite literally, breaking your heart and making you cry. Are you going through things that are challenging your faith? That are making your soul feel dry and arid? You know, whenever we find ourselves in that place, Whenever we find ourselves in the valley, the great temptation is to make getting out of the valley our priority. The great temptation is to make getting out of the valley, getting out of the valley our priority. And that's perfectly natural. Nobody likes pain and heartache. No one wants to feel pain and heartache. But let me say this to you. Let me say this. Do not make 
getting out of the valley your priority. Make hungering and thirsting for the Lord your priority. Make craving for the Lord your priority. Make yearning and crying out to the Lord your priority. Because do you know something? If you do that, here's what will happen. What will happen is this. The valley will become for you a place of springs. Even in the valley, the Lord will provide you with pools of his refreshing grace. Yes, even in the valley, you will go from strength to strength. Tonight, we look out on the prospect of another week. My pilgrim path, your pilgrim path, well, it may well take us through those valley experiences. How will we cope? We'll cope if we are sick for home. We'll cope if we are set for home. Let's join together as we pray. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, Lord, you are the one who knows us. You know when we sit and when we rise. You know the words before they are on our tongues. Lord, you know us completely. Lord, you know those here this evening who are really, really struggling. And so, Lord, we pray. We pray, Father, that by your Spirit, you would give us a new desire to know you in a fuller and in a deeper way. Lord, give us something of the psalmist's sickness for his home in you. And as a result of that, Lord, will you turn the dry places to pools? Will you bless us? Will you encourage us? And will you build us up? And we pray all of these things in the name of our loving Savior, Jesus. Amen.